If you're like most men in our audience, you're committed to becoming the man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be. But the truth of the matter is, you struggle with either finding the time or knowing where to start. That's exactly why I created the Real Men Spiritual Leader Blueprint to give you a step-by-step, easy-to-follow guide to spiritually leading your family, even if you're a new believer. Now, you can't buy the Real Men Spiritual Leader Blueprint, but you can get it for free by signing up for our free e-newsletter. By signing up, you will be notified anytime fresh content is added to my site, so you don't always have to visit my blog to stay up-to-date on the latest information. Now, to get your free copy of the Real Men Spiritual Leader Blueprint, just visit realmenconnect.com and simply enter your name and email address on the form on the page. So if you're tired of trying to figure it all out and fit it all in as the spiritual leader, provider, and protector of your family, don't miss your chance to discover how to be the man God called and created you to be. Sign up today at realmenconnect.com. Hello, Mighty Men of God. Joe Martin here, man builder, award-winning speaker, author, and Tanya's husband and Kendall and Faith's dad. Welcome to the Real Men Connect podcast where we help good men become great men God's way. Every Wednesday, we interview some of the nation's most respected and accomplished men of faith to find out what it really takes to become the kind of husband, father, and spiritual leader God called and created us to be. Today is the Real Men Check-In. The Real Men Check-In is just a quick way to help you start your week on the right foot in the right way. Every Monday, I share personal insights, encouragement, and support that will move you beyond church to real change. I keep it short, I make it fun, and then I'm done. So let's get started. Real Men Connect, Episode 28. Real men give God their nothing in exchange for his everything. Wow, I love that. Let me say that again. Real men give God their nothing in exchange for his everything. Earlier this week during my quiet time, I was reading in the book of Mark, Chapter 8, when Jesus fed a multitude of people for the second time. See, the first time, you may recall in Mark chapter 6, Jesus took five loaves and two fish to feed approximately about 5,000 people. Now, even if you're not a Christian, you probably heard the story before. But many people forget the second time Jesus did it. See, the first time Jesus performed that miracle for a Jewish audience, but the second time he fed the crowd, it was a crowd of Gentiles or non-believers. Now, in Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 1, and I want to read this to you if you don't mind. In those days, there was another large crowd with nothing to eat. So Jesus called his disciples and said to them, and I quote, I have compassion on the crowd because they have already been here with me three days and they have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from a great distance, end quote. And it goes on and says, his disciples answered him, where can someone get enough bread in this desolate place to satisfy these people? And he asked them, and Jesus asked them, how many loaves do you have? And they replied, seven. Then he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. After he took the seven loaves and gave thanks, he broke them and began giving them to the disciples to serve. So they served the crowd. They also had a few small fish. After giving thanks for these, he told them to serve these as well. Everyone ate and was satisfied. And they picked up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. There were about 4,000 who ate. Then he dismissed them. As I read the scripture, I asked God to do something for me. And I would advise you to do the same whenever you read scripture. I asked God, I said, as I read this, God, tell me what this scripture and story was saying about me. In other words, God revealed to me the attitude of my heart, the state of my mind, and the condition of my soul. 
As I studied this chapter and compared it to the first time Jesus performed this miracle, I noticed that there was a pattern to the miracle. So I kind of figured if Jesus did the same thing both times for two different audiences, there's got to be something that he wants us to learn and to remember. And I think I found it. First of all, I must make a confession to you. As much as I believe in God and do my best to walk with Christ, I still find myself on occasion wondering if God is really going to provide for my needs like he promised that he would. Is he really going to make a way out of no way? I know that he can, but is he really going to do the impossible in my life like he said he would? Now, have you ever been there before? Now, I'm talking about when you lose your job and you don't know how you're going to pay the rent. When your car breaks down and you don't have the money to get the repairs. When an unexpected emergency pops up and you have to choose between eating and keeping the lights on in your house. I'm talking about provision. Yeah, you know God can, but you still question, will he? Well, I don't know about you, but I wanted God to show me what to do in times when I'm more inclined to worry than to worship, and when I'm more likely to pace the floor than to kneel and pray. In other words, what does God want us to do when there's nothing else we can do? Now, the Holy Spirit revealed it to me in Mark chapter 8 and confirmed it when I referred back to chapter 6 in Mark. I noticed that Jesus did four things, and I think he expects us to do the same four things whenever we're faced with an impossible situation. First, Jesus had the disciples take an inventory of what they had. He asked them, what do you have? Now, I thought this was significant because a lot of times we find ourselves worrying about what we don't have, but we don't stop to take an inventory of what we do have. Remember, Jesus is God. He's all-knowing. So he knows what they have, and he knows what we have, but he wants us to realize what we have. See, many times we become experts in what we don't have. We don't have enough money. We don't have the right contacts the right family, um, enough education, the right support or whatever. But Jesus wants us to stop and take an inventory and ask ourselves, what do we have? Then after the disciples told Jesus what they did have, the second thing Jesus did was he gave thanks and blessed a little that they had. Now, ain't that something? See, what they had wasn't even sufficient. It wasn't enough, but Jesus, who is sufficient, blessed their insufficiency. And I think that's exactly what he wants us to do when all we think we have is just a little or not enough. Give thanks for it anyway and ask God to bless it. In other words, instead of complaining about what I don't have, I should thank God for what I do have. I mean, I have the house that I want, but thank God I have a roof over my head. I mean, I have a full refrigerator, but thank God I have a full stomach, right? I mean, I like the car that I'm driving, but thank God I'm not walking. I I think you get the point. Now, next, the third thing I noticed, and this is powerful. Not only did Jesus ask them about what they had, which was very little, Then he blessed it and gave thanks for the little that they had. Then check this out. Jesus asked them to give and serve others from the little that they had. Now let that sink in for a moment or you'll miss it. See, they didn't have much. And Jesus asked them to give from the little that they had. In other words, Jesus was saying, the very thing you want from me, I now want you to give to others. Then I will give it back to you. Man, that sounds crazy. (laughs) But God says his ways are above our ways. So we're not expected to understand everything. But he wants us to give what we think we're lacking. That is incredible to me. See, he's implying that if you want food, then feed others. You want love, Joe? Love others. You want forgiveness? Forgive others. You want to succeed? Help others succeed. You want your wife and children to respect you? Then you got to respect them. And finally, the fourth thing I noticed that Jesus did after they miraculously served everyone now, because everyone was fed, everybody got satisfied, Jesus made sure that the disciples didn't waste the leftovers. 
Wow. He asked them to pick it up and gather the leftovers. See, a lot of times after God has met our needs in a miraculous way, sometimes not only do we forget to thank him and give him praise for it, we often waste the leftovers from the blessing. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. You prayed to God for a bigger house to accommodate your family. But after the children leave, you don't invite anyone who needs a place to sleep? We ask God to help us get a job, but we don't tithe on the increase? Instead, we buy something we don't need? Wasting the leftovers of an abundant blessing. Wow. See, this scripture really blessed me, but it also convicted me in my spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but I needed to be reminded to stop complaining about what I don't have and to thank God for what I do have. To be a better steward of what God has given me and not waste my blessing. And I need to trust God in supplying all my needs according to his riches and glory by giving from what I have, not what I wish I had. Because remember, real men give God their nothing in exchange for his everything. So that's the Real Men Check-In for today. I hope it blessed you. And if you found it helpful, please share this episode with others and don't miss our regular weekly interviews on Wednesdays. And to make sure you don't miss an episode, please visit our website at realmenconnect.com and join our growing community of real men. We also have a couple of free gifts waiting just for you. Also, like I told you, I love reading podcast reviews from our listeners. And here's one of them. Check this one out. Joe passionately and succinctly explains the importance of mentoring men to become great men of God. His personal experience gives him an authentic perspective. And I applaud his determination in getting this message out to millions and establishing this mission as one of the most important of our time. Now, I don't know who submitted that, but I want to thank them for it. I really appreciate it. And each week I'll try to share a different one. I pick them randomly. So if you leave a review, who knows? I just may read yours on the air. So go ahead, take about 30 seconds to go over to iTunes and rate the program. It's the best way to help us move up in the rankings and to grow the podcast so we can get this program in the hands, ears, and hearts of men just like you. And guys, thank you so much for listening because without you, there would be no Real Men Connect. So until next time, I'm Joe Martin with RealMenConnect.com reminding you that we are males by birth, but we are men by choice. So each and every day, choose to be the man God called and created you to be because a male is a terrible thing to waste. So until next time, stay strong, stay blessed, and as always, stay in his grip. Thank you for listening to the Real Men Connect podcast with Dr. Joe Martin. Real Men Connect isn't just a podcast. It's a mission, ministry, and movement to help good men become the great men God called and created us to be. And the best is yet to come. So if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and leave us a review in iTunes. It really helps us to build the podcast and to reach, teach, and impact more men, all for the glory of God. And make sure you check out realmenconnect.com to get our free tools and resources to help you go from good man to great man God's way. Again, that's realmenconnect.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.